All right, Nate. This is the show. Yes. Boom, 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 boom. Huh? We are back. Do the two-step. Good job. Welcome to Movies on the Side, listeners. I'm Stephen Robles. And I'm Nate Baranowski. And today, I'm excited because I want to thank our new Patreon supporter. Woo! Yes, Tom Thomas Tom Bombadil, who we typically talk about when we get to our ratings, because he has uh, he has criticized the the decimal ratings, but now he supports the show, so we love Tom. Thanks, Tom. So guess who won? The people who still do some decimals every once in a while. He folded like <laughs> a cheap tent. Mm. Thanks, Tom. I probably shouldn't patronize our new supporters, should I? Don't antagonize them. No, no, it's fine. No, no, we're not antagonizing. We love our supporters. And we just talked for 25 minutes about aliens, Mm -hmm. Bigfoot, and the Loch Ness Monster. Great conversation. (laughs) I really thought it was. So if you would like to hear that bonus episode, like we have bonus episodes every week, you should go to patreon.com slash movies on the side. Join the ranks of Hector, our CEO, and Thomas Tom Tom Bombadil and become a supporter so you can listen to all of our bonus stuff. They're fun. Can I uh can I plug our Patreon uh like it's a BuzzFeed article? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, please. Two men speak about aliens. One's opinion may surprise you. Five things you didn't know about Stephen Robles. <laughs> Boy. Is the Loch Ness monster in your toilet? <laughs> listen to Patreon to find out. Click through this article. Mm. Twenty-five things you didn't know about Bigfoot. And what did we call it? Sasquatch. Baggle, a bagel of Bigfoots? Oh, yes. A bagel of, yes. Like a gaggle of geese. It's a bagel yep. of Bigfoots. That's what it is. That's, that's all in the Patreon episode. So do it. To it. Get it. Speaking of our boss and our board of directors, thank you for mm-hmm. all the supporters on Patreon. It's not just yes. those two. No. I want to give a quick apology. I could wait to the end of the year, but I will just say it now. Mm. Because Hector reached out to me and said that his daughter needed him to reach out to us and inform us that you do not pronounce the name Zendaya as Zendaya. Oh boy. The correct pronunciation is Zendaya. Excuse me? Zendaya. For real? Not Daya. Daya. That is for real. Oh goodness. Well. So we said that name a lot Mm. and I apologize to Zendaya. Um, I know she listens. Probably why she didn't return my calls. Apologize to her family. Right, exactly. Yeah. Hopefully you didn't tag her. Usually you do, so we'll... Yeah, I think I did. Well, anyway... So sorry, Zendaya. We can tag her in this one. <laughs> yeah. She can't hear my pronunciation through the tag on Instagram, so I think we're okay. Oh, yeah, perfect. Okay, very good. Zendaya. Zendaya. That's it. Okay, well... That's all I have. Let's get to the movie. All right, so today we are talking about the 2019 Disney remake of The Lion King. While others search for what they can take, Mm. a true king searches for what he can give. Mm. Everything you see exists together in a delicate balance. As king, you need to understand that balance and respect all the creatures. My name is Nate Baranowski, and I can't get my voice as low as Mufasa Mufasa. (laughs) Listen, James Earl Jones, I I rue the day that we will lose James Earl Jones. That's going to be tough. He's a a one-of-a-kind voice. Yeah. Yep. One of a kind voice. But listen, for some reason thought this came out in a different year than Aladdin. But no, Disney released two live action remakes, which is, can we call the Lion King live action? It's not technically live action. No. Right. Because it's all computer animated. There is one shot in it 
John Favreau at the very first shot of the sun is real. He snuck in a real, oh. a real video. Okay. But other than that, it is hundred percent CG. So not live action. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen the look on the person's face when they got the email. Listen, we want you to be a camera grip for the Lion King 2019. Like yes, and then they read on and it says for exactly one three second scene. <laughs> <laughs> look at your work. But your name gets in the credits. Hold so. on a second. Well, we'll get to it later. But they do need some camera grips because this movie had a unique way of being shot. So we'll get oh. to that. Okay, I'd like to hear that. But on the Rotten Tomatoes, which, you know, I was thinking about it. Do we do Rotten Tomatoes for the 2019 Aladdin? I forget. I don't know. I don't know. We have to keep looking forward. I'm afraid we're looking back. I'm sorry. Hey, this is just I'm me sorry. and you, Stephen. It's okay. It's fine. We'll move forward. They've they've already forgotten that episode. They're, we're moving on to the Lion King. You can do it, Stephen. Listen, your sister just listened to it, and she she thought of, she was very fond of that episode. That's all I want. My say. sister also just did an IQ test and scored higher than both Jacob and myself. So I think she's the smartest one in the Baranowski clan. So shout out to Rachel out there who's listening. Did she score higher than Jill? Yep. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Genius. Well, I feel inadequate and faithful listener so right smart people listen to movies on the side Mm, that's good so the lion king got 53 percent on the critic score tomato meter not high marks Mm. but of course on the nostalgia factor meaning the audience score was 88 percent sure now I, i don't do this all the time but i'd like to read a couple quotes from the critics on this movie okay first one is from matthew licona from the san diego reader He says, by this point, Disney's do-overs feel a lot like their cash-grabby, inspiration-free 90s direct-to-video sequels, only with vastly better production value. He rates this movie a 1 out of 5. Ouch! Yes, pretty scathing. The second review is from Claudia Puig from NPR's Morning Edition. She says, where the animated original had an endearingly cheery anthropomorphism, with wide eyes and cute expressions, this movie lacks that. You're marveling at the beauty of the animals, but it just doesn't work with the material. So, this movie is almost a shot-for-shot remake of the original. I feel like as Aladdin had some departures, this one feels extremely close to the original as far as like lines, stories, all that kind of stuff. Does that jive with your experience? Yes, I believe it was much closer than yeah. Aladdin was to its original content. Right. Uh, minus maybe one scene of Fur getting back to Rafiki. That was probably the biggest departure there. Right. I will state at the outset, once again, the animation from Disney's production department is outstanding. These CG animals look incredible. And the scenery and the shots, like I find this movie to be visually incredible it's amazing what they've achieved at the beginning of the movie there's just like a little mouse running around and you think to yourself this is just disney showing off (laughs) just showing off what they can do with computer animation so that is amazing i do find in a cartoon having the animals talk feels okay having this realistic like this visually realistic of animals talking got me a little off the whole time it, it felt a little strange. And I think, I, I think that's what those critics were also kind of saying. It just felt sure. a little weird. How did you feel about it? Okay, let's hold on to the animation for a second because I am with you 100%. The animation of this movie is so beautiful. I had 
parts where I could not believe it was entirely CG. Like the the scenery, the the rock formations and the and the sun in the sky and the birds flying over and the yes. the splashing of water. Oh my god. Uh, and the wildebeest stampede, all of it. This movie, MPC Film handled m- the majority of the animation. They worked on Jungle Book as well. I believe that was mm. also a John Favreau, I believe. Uh he did he directed that one as well. Right. There were 77 million hours of rendering animation in this movie. Oh my. Just think of that for a second. It is so it is astonishing the the fur texture the the Mufasa sitting on the edge with setting light in his eyes and blowing tufts of his mane with yes just these subtle muscle movements and flick of an ear and the particles in the sky this movie is a feat of animation yes this movie makes me think we have come so far and I'm very excited for what the future holds for this type of animation Absolutely. And even my wife exclaimed, this looks incredible. I really wonder what 15 years from now will look like. And that we went down a short rabbit hole of deep fake videos and the concern that basically you won't be able to believe any kind of video production either. Oh, of course. (laughs) Or like, or like video, you know, video of an event or someone speaking. I think we're probably just on the edge of me being able to like, I think I have a pretty good eye for what's real and what's fake. Like, we're getting close to me not being able to tell. Right. And I feel like I have a pretty good eye for it. You took that in a bit of a negative path, but the positive path is that any animal you want in a future movie, Mm -hmm. you can get a perfect performance from a CG animal, never have to rely on getting an elephant into a scene. Trying to film a Sasquatch, for instance. Exactly. The Sasquatch, as you say, can be in any scene you wanted to. (laughs) What do you say, Sasquatch? I, I say Sasquatch, but that's my Midwest accent. That's my Chicago mm. accent there. Oh, I see. Nobody's perfect. Yeah. So, <laughs> the <laughs> so did you find the computer animated animals speaking English acceptable? Weird. That was difficult for me. They filmed this movie in kind of a documentary style, as if we were out there roaming the Pride Lands with them. Right. So it does make them opening their mouths to speak difficult i can't tell if i would have rather their voices come out but without them moving their mouths like anamorph style yeah like like <laughs> yeah you <laughs> like the psychic link yeah i don't know yes the the movement of the mouths is tough because in order to get our english words out you really need to do certain things with your lips right now if you're a lion you don't have human lips and you can't make human sounds same with the zazu he has one long yeah rigid beak you cannot make an f sound with your beak like you can't when you make an f you you tuck your lip your bottom lip in for your teeth to collide with your bottom lip right everyone at home is now thinking wait how do i make an f try to say mufasa right mufasa you can't do that with a beak muhaha we have an imminent threat something is approaching oh wait scratch that that's my own shadow it ends up being strange anyway because you can't right. enunciate the words. So, but I'm lost looking at these mouths while they speak, which I would say wasn't weird for me. It was distracting for me. Right. Which, again, is problematic because the entire movie is these characters talking. Yes, exactly. Can I, can I nerd out a little bit for the technology of how they shot this movie? Can I get into that now? Oh, yeah, please. They did a lot of pre this visual production of creating a, kind of a... Think, um, 
think PlayStation Two quality graphics. Mm, yeah, that they created these three hundred sixty degree scenes of the of all of the of the movement of all of these animals. Wow. And then what they did is they put on VR masks. What? And they jumped into this world that they created with maybe it's PlayStation One quality graphics. Mm. And so what they did is you can watch the behind the scenes footage. They filmed action scenes on this giant stage with a camera and they're moving about in this digital world, looking at screens of what the camera is recording in VR. What? So they see a guy like as Simba is running, you can see a guy with a camera down by his knees kind of running alongside and panning around in a fight scene and they're trying to like move in and out giving it that more of a realistic like someone's there with a camera filming this in real life how cool is that what so but none of the camera stuff was used like they weren't filming to use that stuff they were right they were filming to get like the the exact shots they want so for example in in virtual space there is a scene of scar and simba fighting right then they can run that at a loop basically of the whole scene. Oh, wow. And then they can decide which shot they want. If they want a shot from this angle, they, they, they can fiddle around with how they want to capture this action. That's pretty insane. I thought that was a pretty cool way to do it. Yeah, that is very cool. I feel like as a director, that probably makes you feel great. Like, I can actually be a director versus you have to really work just with a VFX supervisor of like, all right, give me this shot. Right. Let me see it over and over again. But you can really fiddle with it, I'm guessing. Yes. Now, I liked some of the music. Mm, okay. Yes. We're in music now. Okay. We're in music. The opening and closing numbers, I thought, were some of the strongest. They really get a grand scale of those, again, visually and musically. I felt those. like They felt great. They built. And also seeing the original recently... I didn't watch mm-hmm. it like right before, like I did with Aladdin, sure. but we saw it recently. I do feel like the new one really has a a good feel in those numbers. Is the Hans Zimmer still doing his thing. Hans Zimmer doing his thing, but there were some songs that was not crazy about two in particular. Mm-hmm. Be prepared. Mm. In the original, it's a pretty fun song and yep. sounds good. Mm-hmm. In this one, felt like more talking than singing. Yep. And some of the held notes felt a little weak. So prepare for the coup of the century. Prepare for the murkiest scam. Meticulous planning, tenacity spanning. Let me give you a little background here. Yes. This is what happens when Steven isn't quite able to make it on time to the recording. (laughs) You actually get a better (laughs) podcast listener, so you should thank Steven for this. Yes, you do, actually. Because the voice of Scar in this one is Chiwetel Ejiofor. Thank you. I was not going to try and pronounce it. I I had time to look up the pronunciation. Thank you. So Chiwetel Ejiofor is the voice of Scar. Right. He does not have the singing voice in order to carry Be Prepared. So at first, they did not have this song in the movie. There was then backlash that Be Prepared was not in it. Right. So I think what you're getting is a compromise of like, okay, he can't sing that well, thus more of the talk. 
the talk singing and you get sort of a little bit of it. I'm not sure whether I like getting a hybrid be prepared or whether I would have just wanted it cut out. What do you think now that you know the background there? I do get the backlash because I think if you were to cut it out, you would be watching that scene and be outraged when the scene passes and you didn't get the song. Right. Because that, it really sets up the villain. Right. You know what I mean? Like we have Scar and we know he's bad, but that song and the hyenas, like it really sets up that feel. And so I think without that song, you lose a lot. So you have to do it, I think. But it, I just, it was not done well. And I, I don't know what the answer was. Again, if he, I think as, as a voice, he did well as the voice of Scar. Oh, yeah. I was down for that. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think he sounded great. I liked the animation of the Scar Lion. I thought he looked good also. But just that song was, was disappointing. Even, even, even my kids, they were like, well, is that it? Do they no longer do like the voice and then the singing voice being two different people? Back in the day, they feel like in animated movies, they were fine with being like, yeah, you can't really sing. I think Aladdin might have had, uh, I think Brad Kane was just the singing voice for Aladdin, but there was a different speaking voice. I feel like in the in the older Disney movies, they probably got a pass on that because people didn't really know the actors' names when you go see the movie. Right. Nowadays, they really rely on, on star power. Exactly. And so that idea of like these big names, like I think it would be an even greater uproar if they tried to hide it and controversial if they were open with it to say like, he's the talking voice, but this guy's the singing voice. And also, like, that might be a little jarring when you're actually watching the movie, which I'll get to one other character in a moment where it would yes. probably be very jarring. But I don't, I think they've kind of painted themselves into a corner by using the star power to a, make the movie attractive. Now you lock yourself into those stars, whether or not they could sing. Yes. In when you get to the, the musical numbers. So, right. I would say a cool part of Be Prepared, I didn't mind the speaking part of this. Tenacity spanning. Of denial is simply why I'll be king, undisputed, respected, saluted, and seen for the wonder I am. Yes. Like yeah. that being spoken instead of being sung. Don't mind that at all. Right. No. That. No. That's. But as it ramps up. Yes. Exactly. You got to ramp up to a to a singing there. Right. Exactly. The one other song that I'll point out specifically is Hakuna Matata. What's a wonderful phrase? Hakuna Matata. Ain't no, no passing craze. Seth Rogen is Pumbaa. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I accept Seth Rogen. As a real life Pumbaa. Yes. <laughs> I accept him as the speaking part of Pumbaa. Correct. I thought that was fun. Yes. When he is singing in that... In that song. Yes. There were a couple moments where my wife and I were like, Yes. That's out of tune, right? Like, that is clearly off key. Yes. It ain't no passing craze. It means no. I don't want to judge harshly because I looked, I actually looked up this backstory because I was mm -hmm. very curious. Did Seth yeah. Rogen sing all this stuff? And he admitted, like, he was terrified going into the studio and singing these songs. Yes. Because he's next to, like, Beyonce. <laughs> And right. These other people who do sing and he was totally like this is the worst idea ever like didn't you know felt very self-conscious. So I want to be gracious like Seth Rogen, I know you're listening. You did fine for not being a singer. But for Disney to make that choice to have him sing these songs 
I don't know. Like you, you, you take away the moment when you're watching the movie. I am not a huge fan of auto tuning. I think that has hurt many a live action. Yeah. Of i.e. the beginning of Little Town and Bell in Beauty and the Beast. Just everyone, just take a take an Emma Watson a rabbit hole there and just listen to the first five measures of that song. <laughs> Little town, it's a quiet village. Every day, like the one before. But. If you could have auto-tuned a little bit, I don't know if you can do it. The technology's out there, right? To auto-tune so it doesn't sound like a T-Pain album. But yeah, it I think it sounds a, like him. Yeah, I think you can. Apparently, so Pharrell was doing a lot of the musical advising mm. on this movie. Apparently, Pharrell was super frustrated with Seth Rogen because <laughs> he couldn't get a right note out of him. There are only a certain number of, I guess there are micro notes, right? Every note, it's not like we only speak in intervals. Quarter tones. Quarter tones, that's the name of it. Quarter tones, yes. Yes. So I can't understand why out of, you couldn't just have him sing it a hundred times and then if he falls upon the right note, just like isolate that. Yeah. There were a yeah. couple times he does hit the right notes, and I was cheering for him in my mind. Yeah, so was I. There are other parts that I think, oh, man, poor guy. He can't, <laughs> he can't get to it. <laughs> I felt bad, man. I did. And some of the ones, I think they just gave up and like, oh, just speak it. Right. We don't have time for this. Just speak it out. <laughs> <laughs> I felt bad for Seth. When I was a young ward, oh! How are you feeling? It's an emotional story. Oh, man. Great, great voice acting for the voice. Yes, I agree. Like, that was a lot of fun. It's not your fault. You can't sing. So just to finish up thoughts on Hakuna Matata here, Stephen, while Seth Rogen struggles singing, I love the Donald Glover coming in. There is a bit of a mix. I'm not a musical person in my heart. I mean, I am in my heart, but not in my head. (laughs) So I don't have this brain knowledge. He does something different on It Means No Worries. For the rest of your days. It means no worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem free philosophy. Hakuna Matata. Love that new mix. Love Donald Glover's voice. It's possible that Seth Rogen has just primed me to any singer who comes after him will just be like, wow, <laughs> that guy can sing. <laughs> right. Right. But I did enjoy that part of Akuna Matata is when Donald Glover comes in. Yeah, that was good. And it, it ended well. It started rough because Seth Rogen was doing a lot of singing. But by the end, I, it was fine. Yeah, and they, they joke about how like that's their song and Simba's always riffing and getting in on there. It's a fun, funny way to end that song. Can You Feel the Love Tonight, which is Donald Glover and Beyonce singing. Mm-hmm. First of all, I'm, <laughs> I made the comment, which instigated an eye roll by my wife. I said, the song is Can You Feel the Love Tonight? And none of this song is happening in the evening. <laughs> that was just one of my thoughts. You're right. Which I understand it doesn't need to be, but it's all in broad daylight. And then Beyonce is just obviously Beyonce. Mm-hmm. And again, I think this goes back to the thing with the original Disney movies is I, I could literally not name any of the actors or singers from The Little Mermaid or Aladdin sure. or Beauty and the Beast Lion King, like I do not know who any of those people were 
singing. And in this one, it is made obvious that it's Beyonce singing. Like some of the runs that are just thrown into Can You Feel the Love Tonight? Yes. Feels a little out of place. Oh, you're getting curmudgeonly here, aren't you? No, just a little bit. Just a little bit. And it's not... Just a little bit. It's not bad. It wasn't a poor rendition of the song. It just, for me, it didn't have the same feel. And even even if it wasn't... I love this version. I love this version. you? You love this version. I love it. Speaking of songs that I would listen to off of this soundtrack, I think the first Circle of Life is great. I would listen to Spirit, the new Beyonce song that's just Beyonce doing her thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I would listen to Can You Feel the Love Tonight. I think when she's by herself, her voice is very distinctive. She definitely like outshines everyone else as far as singing voice. Like That's why she's super famous. But when she does her own verse about the why won't he see the king I know he is, the king I see inside. Right. Man, it's good. I love it. I love the runs. It is kind of what we talked about with Aladdin. I would rather have you take a song that is wonderful and make it make it your own and i think they did for this song he's holding back he's hiding but what i can't decide why won't he be the king i know he is the king i see inside and that that moment was still nice okay i'll have to go back and listen to it as well again with aladdin upon re-listening to just the soundtrack in the car Sometimes you get a different feel. So I, I will I will not judge these too hard. Give that one a re-listen. I think you'll enjoy yeah. it. There are, she throws a lot of runs in there, but yeah. she, her and Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston can all do as many runs as they want, in my opinion. <laughs> Very good. Well, I'd like to go back to talking about a couple actual scenes outside of the music. Okay. One being the hyenas. And maybe this is not a particular scene, but just in general. How did you say that word? Excuse me? How did you say that word? Hyenas? Are you, did you put a second H in there? No, definitely not. Yeah, you did? Yeah. <laughs> say, say it slow. <laughs> say it slow. Donkey. <laughs> <laughs> I think you said hyenas. Yeah, what are you supposed to say? Hyenas. Yeah, that's what I said. You put another H in there. No, no, I said hyenas. Mario. Mario. Chiwitel. Egea for. <laughs> Nuclear. <laughs> okay. Tell me about the hyenas. Sorry. I digress. That's mean of me, Stephen. We've been doing this long enough not for my not to be mean. No, we've been doing it long enough where you can do that and I don't take offense. Yes. Okay. I say words funny sometimes. We'll, we'll see if you take offense based on if you cut it out. <laughs> no, no. I was, I was not. That was a good moment. Okay. Anyway, I want to talk about the hyenas. Hyenas. <laughs> hyenas. Stop it. The original had Whoopi Goldberg. I remember that name because that was a very distinctive mm-hmm. voice. Mm-hmm. And then you had Ed from the original. Do you remember Ed? Yes. The crazy hyena. Yes. Man, you're just doing that to bug <laughs> me now. I'm going to do it from now on, of course. So he's not as crazy in this movie, which is fine. He's normal. But what, what did you think about the hyenas in general? I like in this movie how the hyenas have a leader. So Shenzi is now queen of the hyenas and i like that they are a little bit more organized although like obviously they're all kind of subservient to scar right there's kind of a big bad hyena and i always enjoy that i enjoy that for the orcs as well give me an orc to super dislike wasn't there wasn't Whoopi goldberg the leader in the original was she the leader i thought there was yeah pretty sure she did she did all the talking and then ed was okay well ed was definitely not the leader that's true no this one has keegan michael key 
as one of them from Key and Peel. Okay. And he's great. And Eric Andre is the is the third one. I liked the ongoing thing about him sitting too close to him. It's a small, subtle yeah. bit of humor. That was funny. But that made me chuckle. Yeah. The hyenas are much scarier in this movie. Yes. Because they look like actual hyenas. Much scarier. The scene where Simba and Nala are running from them and they're like getting in the tunnels. Yeah. Very well done. Suspenseful. Yep. That was a, that was a good scene. And then at the end, when they turn against Scar, oh my goodness, like they are very scary. So that was, I was down with the, with the uh, hyenas. <laughs> yes. Pretty vicious. Let's talk Stampede. Yes. Thank you. Speaking of suspenseful scenes. Stampede was heart-wrenching. Man. And I thought really well done. I thought so too. The stampede footage, the shot, camera on the ground by Simba, seeing wildebeest coming down the canyon edge. Oh yeah. And coming up over the hill, almost shot for shot like the first one. Right. And then the camera basically running in front of Simba as he begins to scurry along. Yeah. So good. Yes. So good. I was looking forward to this scene. It did not disappoint. It did not disappoint. And when Mufasa comes in, it is exciting and like extremely suspenseful because you know what's going to happen. But man, that was that was a great scene. It has a lot of gets a little bit more oomph from wildebeest hitting Mufasa. Yeah, it had a little bit more of a like. I felt more of the impact of like, wow, these wildebeest—they're like chipping off rocks as they fly through this canyon. Yeah, it had a little bit more impact literally but um but yes <laughs> <laughs> yes uh so that was a great scene i also thought the ending scenes the fights and the conflict with the hyenas and stuff i keep saying hyenas that wasn't even intentional but anyway <laughs> uh the final scenes i thought were very exciting and action-packed i enjoyed those too yeah the there was a little bit of a a difference in scars motivation and the hyenas in this one there was a little bit more uh, emphasis on overeating and abusing power. Like Scar was sending the hyenas out to just like eat anything they wanted to. And then it ends up with, and I also felt like Scar, his relationship to Simba made more sense in this one. Why Simba would have more guilt. Right. For being the one who like caused Mufasa's death. Yeah. I feel like in the cartoon, I never quite got the like, why are you hiding this? Like, what's so, like, this one, it was a lot more like, what have you done? What have you done, Simba? They set that up a little better, I think, in this one. Right. And you do understand why, why he runs away. So, yeah. A I'm little bit more. Of, I think Scar, as much as I love Jeremy Irons' voice, I think Scar in this one was a little bit more logical of a, he's been beaten down his whole life by Mufasa. He's not strong. He's kind of... Right. His rise to power feels a little bit more... Believable? Under, yeah, believable. Yeah. Than the other scar i agree i like that one part towards the end of the fight scenes where timon and pumbaa lure the hyenas away and timon starts singing be our guest just the first yes two words like that was a hilarious moment a real flex for all of disney's ip i love when they do that right because for a second you're like wait a minute can they do that and you're like oh well, yeah of course they own they own it all everything. <laughs> they could do a star wars reference they could do a marvel reference they could do any animated movie reference they, doesn't matter they could do whatever they want we proudly present your dinner. Be out. Can we talk about voice acting for a second? Oh, yes, please. I'm going to say something with a very heavy heart. Mm. James Earl Jones sounds old. Mm. 
some of his lines, it wasn't quite, didn't quite do it for me. I love James Earl Jones. I love his, he is Mufasa. I'm glad they went with none other person. I think he's like 86 years old now. Mm. Doesn't quite have the same power behind his voice. Yeah. It is more, it's, it's an older thing. And some of the voice acting, this goes for everyone, didn't quite connect to the heart of the scene. It felt like the script was a little disjointed, like they recorded it from different areas. I know some of them were in the same room, but voice acting across the board didn't quite do it for me. Mm. And I think it starts with James Earl Jones, which saddens me. I take no joy in saying there were times where I went, oh man, my mortality. Yeah. I'm reminded everyone gets old. You pull up that how many weeks you have to live graph. Yes. James Earl Jones is 88. Whew. He is 88, 88 years old. The great kings of the past look down on us from those stars. Those kings will always be up there to guide you. Did you get that feeling at all? Was, was I off? Did you? When it comes to voice acting, whatever we have to say about his singing, I feel like Seth Rogen might have done the best voice acting. You're right. <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> you know, he did well there. And I, I think for me, it's still just the overall, it's weird seeing these hyper-realistic animals move their mouths like humans. And regardless of how good the voice acting is, it's visually strange. Mm. Okay. Um, and, and so, yes, I agree. Like there were moments where it could have been many moments where it should have been stronger, but I think also the visual dissonance didn't help. Okay. I got it. So that was mine. It's just James Earl Jones. It's just poor guys. You know, he's, he's getting old. Yep. Uh, my o- only other disappointing thing was I love John Oliver as a comedian. Mm. I don't think they gave him any runway to work with mm. i think he was kind of trapped in the zazu thing i would have and maybe they did do a bunch of improv and it didn't quite make the movie or it wasn't good enough yeah i was hoping for more john Oliverisms coming through in zazu yeah and not just kind of repeating you know mr bean stuff <laughs> rowan atkinson is that his name rowan atkinson that's right we never even talked about rafiki rafiki is great all every time all the time yeah, I'll give you that. It is a delight to see him. The great thing about having a, I forgot the name of his monkey, the, oh, his species, but having something, having an animal with human-like eyes, you can really put some more expression into it than you could with the lions. Yes. So him with like the fireflies around oh, and yeah. all the, like, yeah. the, the light shining, I, I love the putting on the Simba. And putting on the, the <laughs> fur and the, you do not know who you are. How can, he's you know, a, that sort of thing. Yeah. He's a mandrill, by the way. That is a mandrill. Species of. Mandrill. I thought he was good in this movie, too. I yeah. thought leading him to where is, he is alive. Yes, oh, yes. I, I will show him to you. Like, that, Rafiki is is great every time. I really don't have much more to say than that. I love Rafiki. Yeah, he was great. Yeah, it was fine. I mean, he's, he has such a small role, honestly. Like, he's not in the movie very much. I liked him pulling out his staff to get ready for the final fight scene. That was pretty epic. Yes. And then, yes. And then him fighting with it. All right, Nate, where were we at the time where we rate this movie? I think we're at that time. Well, I would like to rate this movie on a scale of zero to five grubs. The grubs that... Slimy yet satisfying thank you zero to five grubs nate i i think 
you've gone first the past several weeks because I've I've been undecided. But this week I'm going to stick with another whole number and it feels like we've been stuck in this mediocre I don't know. It's mediocre Mm-hmm. Lane. Yeah. But I'm going to give Lion King a three. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it a three. Again, some of the music was really fun and good. The animation is incredible to watch and experience. The movie looks beautiful, but the voice acting and some of the singing was lackluster. I would see it again. I did not purchase this, I rented it. Um, I, I didn't see it in theaters. And there was no <laughs> combo deal to get both Lion King. So I just. <laughs> I just rented it, and I don't know if I would care to buy it to watch over and over again. Uh, again, it's a triumph visually, but but I don't know. I think it's it's a it's a three. If you love The Lion King, see it for sure. I think it's worth watching again, just for the visual aspect. I'm going to give it a three as well. Mm-hmm. That's where I was before. It lost a little magic for me, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's just me being an adult, kids. From what I've heard, love this movie. Like, this is their Lion King. Mm. Maybe that's a commentary on me being an adult and some of the, the music dying inside. <laughs> but yeah, it misses, it misses something for me. It is, I find myself more enjoying the animation and the technical excellence in this movie than the emotional moments or the fun songs. Right. I watch this movie more as a critic than I did as an audience member who's just trying to get entertainment and delight from it. Yeah. So it lacked some entertainment value. And I don't know if that's the movie's problem or my problem. Right. All right. But that's where it, that's where it lands for me. I would rather see Aladdin again over this Lion King. So I think we gave Aladdin a three and a half. Yep. Yep. That sounds about right. Three and a half and three. I've, that feels, that feels right. I do hope like one of those critics were saying that Disney is not entering a nostalgia tour and just keeps doing these live action remakes. You know, I think it was ironic after the first animated Lion King in 94, I believe it was, there was this time period where Disney did not produce great movies for several years, almost 10 years until they made, until honestly they bought Pixar and Pixar's team started to help the Disney team get their creative juices back. You say this a lot and I disagree with you every time. Did I ever send you my, the whole talk that I did on this? I don't think I heard that. This is not an original idea. This is from the creativity Inc book written by Ed Catmull, who was one of the CEO or leaders of Pixar. He has a chapter in the book where he talks about Disney's period post Lion King pre Wreck-It Ralph. And I'll send you my talk. If you have not read the book, it's an, it's an amazing book, whether you're a creative person or a leader or just want insights on business interactions. Like It's an incredible book, but, but he talks about that period of drought of creativity. I don't know. I want to see some, some original stuff from, from Disney's. I will, I, will listen, I will listen to it. I will take it in. The, what you're going to have to overcome and convince me of is that movie such as, this is what came right exactly after Lion King. Pocahontas, Hunchback of Notre Dame, I could take your leave, Hercules and Mulan, and Tarzan. You'll have to convince me that those four movies up until the end of the 90s, I'll give it to you when you get to Dinosaur, even though I love Emperor's New Groove in 2000, Atlantis. <laughs> okay, I, I'll give you a little bit there. But the end of the 90s, I would say that Mulan, for example, 
is top-notch Disney. I think Hercules is kind of cult classic-y, and Pocahontas is still great. So those are my things you'll have to overcome in order to convince me that there was a drop-off. Those are great movies, but there are many, many movies that you probably don't remember and maybe have blocked out of your memory that were Disney-produced that were bad. Okay, well, I'll just, uh, if we go back a little bit, just want to let you know, Rescuers Down Under 1990, still good, but it was no Beauty and the Beast. Right. Who uh, Oliver and Company is a horrible movie in 1988. <laughs> and that was okay. the year before Little Mermaid. Well, I, I will send you my talk, and I would love to know your thoughts. Oh, The Great Mouse Detective. Do you ever watch that? I don't think I've seen that. 1986, The Great Mouse Detective. Watch that with your family. Okay. It's amazing. It's a little scary, but it's amazing. Well, uh, the audio is terrible in this video, so I just want to, to forewarn you of that. Okay. All right, I, have, I don't have a top five question for you, Nate, but I just, just have a general ranking. Okay, this is good. It's com- this is completely random, completely random. If you walk into a gas station with the express purpose of choosing a candy that you're going to walk out with, with the prerequisite that you have to choose something that would be available at most gas stations. Sure. You know what I mean? You can't, you know, like a lint chocolate. You're going to find it Wawa maybe, but, but you know, not, not <laughs> widely available. Right. What candy would you hope to walk out with? And then what is your second choice if that candy is not available? That's my question. It's interesting because I'm not a big candy guy. I'll always take the savories over the sweets. Well. So I have to, I have to really think about it here. I would say if I had to go candy bar, I'd probably go Milky Way mm. or Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, king size. <laughs> right. They are now shaped like pumpkins because it's Halloween time. <laughs> Which are always kind of fun. Yeah. I love it. I love things shaped like different things that taste the same. (laughs) Great. Change that don't affect me negatively. Awesome. Right. But I would say, here's a little bit of crazy. I would go with maybe like a Hostess or a Lintonman Little Mm. Debbie concoction. They have a lot of those in gas stations kind of pre-wrapped. Yep. 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 Going with something in like the honey bun. Oh, man. Um, world might might do it for me. M and M's not in the running. No, no. Oh wow. No. Okay. Regular M and M's. No. Well, any kind of M and M. Peanut butter M and M's. See, now, that's what I'm saying. What you've done is you've shrunk a Reese's <laughs> peanut butter cup down that's to right. small, small little bits. That's right. And if you're driving, you're you- driving because you're going through a gas station. Ease of injecting it in your mouth plays a factor has anyone ever put one reese's pieces in their mouth at the uh, uh, peanut butter chocolate chip or peanut butter chocolate chip what are you talking about has, has <laughs> anybody ever put one at a time in their mouth the peanut butter m&ms no that can be, you do that is that possible you would you would have to be like a jeffrey dahmer type sociopath to just put one in your mouth at a time right <laughs> It, it's crazy. I mean, it's best. It's best to tear a corner off, and then while you're driving, you can exactly. kind of Rube exactly. Goldberg it into your mouth. That's exactly right. Yes, the shortest Rube Goldberg machine of all time. <laughs> Tilt <laughs> Once, and slide. Stephen, what's your answer? What's your answer to this? If you gotta, you gotta stop. 
Number one would be a Reese's something. Whatever whatever form of Reese's is available, I would I would get that. Reese's. In order me. to inject the peanut butter into your veins. If a Reese's is not available, I might look for a Twix of some kind. Ooh. I don't know if you've seen, they do have these like peanut butter Twixes now. Uh-huh. Where you, there's actually peanut butter in them. Those are not bad. I might go with the Twix as my second choice. And as an honorable mention, side choice, peanut butter M&M's. Next question for you. Since we have to fill out this this top five time with a little bit more, I, I feel like the audience yeah. needs a little mm-hmm. bit more. Sure, sure. Go ahead. You're on a road trip. You're driving. Yes. You stop at yes. a gas station. Let's say you get candy. Let's say you don't. What is the drink of choice? I can picture right now the feeling of I'm thirsty. I'm at a gas station. I want to go in and get something. What do you get? You know what's available. 95% of the time, I get a water. I just want to get a water. That's it. I don't think I've ever been more disappointed in you. <laughs> what, what, what are you expecting? A, a coffee drink. In my, in my heart, I thought you're going to let me know like, hey, they got that cold brew now or they got that triple shot cold brew. Here's the, here's the problematic part. The only coffee drink that I find remotely tastes good is the Starbucks Frappuccino in the glass bottles. Mm-hmm. But those are extremely sugary mm-hmm. and like not great things in them. And aside from those, every other coffee drink that's in a can and the double shot, triple shot, they don't taste good. I just don't find that they're good. So you get a bottle of water. Any brand loyalty? So I'm, I'm a little bit of a... Um, <laughs> Maybe snob. Water, water snob, yes. So whatever is the most unique and interesting looking brand, that is what I will go for. Your artisanal water? Absolutely. If they don't have something unique, I will go with a Fiji or a Smart Water. Those are my two oh go-tos. My Usually oh gas stations goodness. will have one of those two. Oh my, you're paying more for that than you would for two drinks. Listen, water like has taste. Water has taste. That's all I'm saying. Oh. Steven, this is getting worse. That's all I'm saying. I'm glad we're doing this now. Otherwise, I might I'm quit. not going to get some sediment-filled spring water bottle. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. Fiji water. Now. Bottling colonialism. Wawa's will have two that I find interesting. One is like an Icelandic water something. <laughs> it comes out of some <laughs> aquifer. Right, from Razagul's glacier. Yeah. Exactly. It comes from the geothermal uh, volcanoes in Iceland. And uh, that water tastes pretty good. And there's a second one called, I think it's like Waikiki or something like it. It's some kind of volcanic water that uh, is is the proper uh, alkaline consistency to help (laughs) balance the acidity in your body. (laughs) Balance your pHs. You're like an essential oils person right now. I can't with but you. I don't. I don't care about any of those things. I just want my water to taste good, and those waters. Do you taste know? Good. Do you know how to make water taste good? You add sugar electrolytes and call it Powerade. No, that's not what. I just want water, and water has taste. No. That's all I'm saying. You now, want tasty water. Every drink is water with taste. So if you want something to taste good, no, I'm no, get no, a no, lemonade. No. Water, get a sweet tea. In its natural form, without any additives, has taste. Aquafina tastes different than Fiji, tastes different than the terrible Zephyr Hills water that they pilfer at most gas stations. It's just, 
There's differences. You think it's all I'm saying. You think it tastes bad or just doesn't taste good? What are Zephyr we Hills here? Zephyr Hills taste bad. Dasani is tolerable, but Fiji actually tastes good. <laughs> I'm being totally real right now. Now, a Voss, a Voss water in a glass bottle, also a great choice. Every great morning, choice. the Oberweiss man comes and delivers a gallon of water so that Stephen can wash his, he brush his teeth with it. <laughs> Anyway, I can't like, how much are you paying for this smart water? What is it like two, two, three dollars? I don't know. It's fine. I'm not buying a gallon of it. No, it is not two, three dollars. I'm not buying a gallon of it. I'm buying just enough for the ride home or whatever. <laughs> I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say to you right now. Listeners. <laughs> if you walked up to your local 7-Eleven, you walked back to the case. Yes. Or are you bringing, like, I'm just picturing you right now. I'm picturing your smug little face <laughs> with a smart water in one hand and Reese's peanut butter cups in the other hand. Yes. Like, well, I have to wash down these, this chocolate and peanut butter with the finest water, Icelandic. It is not some, I have to be, like, I'm not touting that I have the Fiji water. I'm not holding it out the window as I drive down the road. <laughs> I genuinely prefer the taste. I think it tastes better. <laughs> but okay, I'm okay. I'm with you. I'm with you on this concept that it okay. may taste better. That makes sense. Okay. But when I get water of any type and I get like generic the cheapest water they have there. Mm -hmm. Because when I drink water, I'm not ex I'm not getting water because it tastes good or bad. I'm getting water because my body needs hydration. I'm feeling either healthy and I don't want to get sugars. You know what tastes better than water? Anything that you can make with water and adding flavoring. <laughs> That's why they exist is because water. No. Water's, uh, no. it's supposed to be neutral. It's neutral. It's just like water tastes good because you're thirsty. And it's like, okay, that this cold water is just what I need. I crave it. It's not like, man, I have a, oh, I have a taste for something. What do I, what do I want? Oh, Icelandic runoff water. That would hit the spot right now. No. No. You put flavoring in it, and that's how it tastes good. I don't expect my water to taste good. I have low expectations. Well, that's not my problem. I expect, I expect great things from my water, and I do enjoy the taste. It is not just out of necessity. Wait, can you describe to me the taste of Fiji water, mister? I, 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 taste, <sighs> I taste the purity. It's like a, mm -hmm. a cool morning mm -hmm. in autumn as you see the stream running by. The grandfather holding a baby. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that, yes. but to, it just it tastes wonderful. So you would rather have that than a flavored drink? The flavored drinks are problematic. There's not many flavored drinks that I have because of the whole keto thing and just not trying to have bad sugar stuff. And so I will drink Zevia's the stevia sweetened sodas that I've spoken of. And I do enjoy those. And there are times where mm -hmm. I do want something flavored, but I genuinely like, sometimes I'll stand at the case and be like, you know what? I will allow myself whatever drink I want right now. So I go over to the teas and I say, oh, I could get a raspberry iced tea. Okay. I okay. could get, Whew. I could get an Arnold Palmer, but I'm okay. like, ah, I'm not in the mood for that. And then I'll go over to the sodas and I'll say, uh, you know, a vanilla Coke or maybe a cherry uh -huh. vanilla Coke. Yeah. Uh -huh. That, 
I'll, maybe I like those. That might be good. But you know, sometimes I'm just like, you know what? I actually just want to drink a Fiji water. We're going to need some time apart. <laughs> it's, it's not me. It's you. <laughs> and I'm just going to need some time. Don't reach out to me. I'll reach out to you when I'm, <laughs> when I'm ready. And like, <laughs> I'll let you know with an answer in three to four business days, kind of where I'm, where I'm at. But, <laughs> um, I, I just ask that you respect my privacy during this time. Listeners come to my aid and don't call my mom because she, you can't get to me through her listeners. She will respect my privacy too. You must speak up, defend the water. I need to hear from you this week on Instagram or something. Remember, the argument is not that water is, wor- is not better for you. Everyone's in agreement. Water is better for you. We should all just drink water. Sure. <laughs> so, what is, so what is the argument? <laughs> Even when you just end the podcast, just say like what you usually say. Okay, everyone, you can follow movies on the side. On Twitter and Instagram at MotsFam. No, that's not right. No, that's not oh, right. Nate. At I listen never tw- do this. Twitter and Instagram at movies on the side. And then you can go to MotsFam.com for merch. And you can go to patreon.com slash movies on the side. You can support the show and tell us the water that you prefer, listener. Steven is going to post a picture of a water bottle on our Instagram. And I would really love people to comment. So if you don't follow us on Instagram, I need to hear your voices at this moment. We need to rise in a chorus and rebuke our brother. 